Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest, you guys. It's me, Jackie Cation, your host of the dark forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. There is, oh, Bandcamp. You can go to uh, thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. That's got the premium episodes. Those are the non-free live episodes, also a storytelling album that I put together, and a bunch of very old Dork Forests from the old Blog Talk days. That That is also free. So if you want to go take a look over there, you can. And let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard, sang it with his wife, Sarah Cohen, and... um he will sing again at the end to words that he made up to the Mexican hat dance. That's Mike Rickberg. Patrick Brady, going to fix this audio. And then Vilmos does my website, JackieCation.com. JackieCation.com not only has a player for the podcast, it also has the Amazon banner. If you want to support the show, but you can't donate and you don't want a T-shirt or merch, uh, you can, when you order from Amazon, if you just use the Amazon banner from JackieCation.com on the right side, it's white. It takes you to Amazon. You order like normal. And then uh, the show gets a little bit of a kickback. So that's one way to support the show. Another way to support the show, tell people about it. What the heck? Another way to support the show would be to donate, if you can, to the program. If you want to be a super fan, you can donate a 100 bucks a year. If you don't have $100, uh, you can do monthly. I have not made that easy for you. But uh, people are doing it. It's very nice. They are reminded. They're like, oh, well, it's June of 2016. Maybe I'll send another 10 bucks." Because uh, if you send 10 bucks a month for 10 months, that's $100. And then I ask that you don't donate, donate on November and December and give to a food bank. Whatever. You'll hear about it in November and December. Other than that, the other way to support the show is to get merch. You can go get a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt or just a Dork Forest t-shirt designed by Brett Chambers from Portland, Oregon with the Dork Forest logo on it and a bunch of other awesome stuff. He outdorked me when he came up with that one, quite honestly. They are union made here in America, so they run big because they're made by Americans. Yeah, I also have some hoodies in. I'm out of double X, so if you were to order double X, they would go on back order and it will be a couple of months, just so you know. But I, I will have hoodies again probably in the fall and you can you can do a pre-order if you like you can get cds and dvds turns out i do stand-up comedy you can come watch me do stand-up comedy my schedule's on jackiecation.com this week i'm going to be in fort worth texas doing a little theater called the amphibian theater and it's going to be really cool i'm really looking forward to it it's the 10th and 11th i believe of june 2016 so if you know anybody in fort worth come on down and Thanks so much. This has uh, gone on for a little bit, so let's get into the show, you guys. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room uh, with in the Van Nuys with a funny stand-up comic and writer of novels. You've written your first novel, Aaron Judge? I have. I have, and it's coming out August 9th. Aaron Judge, J-U-D-G-E. Like E-R-I-N, a, like E-R- a girl. Like a girl, and then judge like a judge. Like a judge. And that's all over Twitter and all that stuff. And it's AaronJudge.com. And you, and it's, when is it coming out? You just said. August 9th. <laughs> um, it's called Thou Celibacy. It's about the worst 20 minutes of my life. Just kidding. 
Um, it's actually a fiction. It's a novel. So it's, it's a fictional novel. It's a fictional made up story. Made up story. And it is, uh, how many pages? How many pages do we work with? 300? 300. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Some people, it, it, it's getting ugly out there where yeah. you're like 600 pages on your first novel and you're like, someone should have blind vetoed the fuck out of this. I read Infinite Jest and I agree <laughs> with the first half of the title. Uh, it's <laughs> very long. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. So your book, Vow Celibacy, coming out and, and then you have, you have a stand-up comedy show that everybody keeps tagging me and putting on my, on my website and then not, and me not remembering because it's at a rom- uh, rom- romance novel store in Santa Monica, which is no, just in Culver opened. City. Yeah. Oh, in Culver City. Yeah. It's called The Ripped Bodice. The Ripped Bodice, which and is that old joke about them. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because yeah. that's what they're called. Yeah. No, they're rippers. They're taking it back. They're taking back the, the Take moniker. back the night. It's, it's the N-word for people who read poorly written or sometimes well written. Let's not just make sweeping statements about romance novels because I enjoy them. I have to give my whole spiel about this bookstore because it is not just a romance bookstore. It is a sister-owned, kick-started, feminist, romance and erotica-only bookstore. And it's the wow. first in the United States. Wow. No wonder they got so much pub and somebody like different, like people in San Francisco, different rangers of the Dork Forest have been, they're like, you read romance novels. We know about you. Good. We're putting it on the Dork Forest Facebook page, putting it on the, my regular Facebook page and tweeting me it. And I'm like, no, no, I get it. I get it. I got to drive down to Culver City. Well, you're doing the show, right? You're I am doing do the show, show in, at the end of July. July right? 21st. Yeah. Day after my birthday. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So you can come and for your birthday, you can get whatever books you want. Oh, with your, that'll be fun. With grandma's birthday check. Grandma's birthday check. Is there, is that what, the, <laughs> is that what we get paid in? I don't know. No, no I, I figured, I figured that. that was going to come in the mail. It's a grandma's birthday check. <laughs> but it's, um, it's a, it's a great store, and um, we do do 10% off before the show for anybody okay. who comes in. Yeah. And um, they have an amazing selection of everything. And right. they're also, they're essentially curators. They're like librarians. So yeah. if you're like, I need a recommendation for, you know, paranormal LBG, LGBT, like, <laughs> vampire. I want werewolves that are ghosts and also gay. They're like, right. got it. Got it. <laughs> I know where that's happening. I wonder if they care. You know what? There's a premium episode of The Dork Forest uh, that I did with a, a, an author named, and I'm going to mask her's name, Balugun Ojitabe. And I think I have the syllable is on the wrong accent. Uh, but uh, his name's Balugun whatever, Ojitabe. And, but it, the thing is, is he writes Harriet Tubman steampunk uh, fiction. Wow. It's fiction about Harriet Tubman after the Civil War with an actual train underneath. It's an, un- it's a steampunk Harriet Tubman. An underground railroad? Yeah, underground, literal, literal underground railroad. And oh. those guys should totally carry it. Yeah. And then, and then I also did a premium episode. Wow, guys, go to, obviously go to Bandcamp, buy these premium episodes for two bucks. Anyway, so is with Gail Carriger, who I always thought it was Carriger, but it is not. It is spelled Carriger, but it's pronounced Carriger. And, she writes a uh, steampunk um vampire uh werewolf mystery novels. Wow. And they're good. They're yeah. really good. I once inadvertently said to her out loud, this is better written than it needs to be. <laughs> and she was very polite <laughs> and did not stand up and walk away. <laughs> that's very funny. But yes. that's also, I mean, there when you are a writer when you take pride in what you do and like most writers that I think are very successful are also just lovers of books and yeah. like, you know, you can read people who are kind of writing their passion and don't read a lot. And then you read people who are very well read and yeah. they're just writing their passion and yeah. there's a difference. Right. And both passionate and both possible 
Good, but you have to read to learn how to write. That's think, how you learn how to write. I think so. And um, you also have to write to write uh, because I read a lot and I write <laughs> not at all. I write stand-up comedy and that is all. And, uh, but the, uh, I would love to write fiction. So you, what is, uh, what is the vow of celibacy about? Vow of celibacy, it a- it's a novel, it's, it's sort of like a, a, a coming of age story, but it's age 30, which is about when we come of age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a brave new world. It's about a young woman who she realizes she's like had a lot of bad pseudo relationships, like everybody she sleeps with keeps her a secret. Oh, there you go. She decides she needs to look back across her, her romantic history and take a break and like sort of see what's been going wrong. And she's also bisexual, which I am also. And she is also, um, a plus size woman and she ends up, she wants to be a designer, but she works in fashion and she's kind of behind the scenes and she winds up modeling. She winds up becoming a plus size model. Okay. And she also has a best friend who is a blogger. Okay. Very widely read, but anonymous. So they're um, both trying to figure out how to like come out, but not like in the gay sense, like right. in the like, just be yourself and step out into the so world. Co- to coming see. of age. Yeah. yeah. So coming of age, but 30. Yeah. But 30. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, it's been getting really good reviews, which is really nice and kind of surprising. Right. Well, I mean, it's nice when anyone's paying attention and, uh, and then when it's positive, uh, you gotta love that. Yeah. So hooray. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. So yeah. And the, um, the romance bookstore, The Ripped Bodice, will be selling autographed copies. Sure. Um, like uh, pre-sale. And then also we're going to do a release event there. Oh, in nice. August. In August as well. I think it, the August show is, I think, August 19th, and that's the release event. Oh, fun. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Let's talk about your dorkdom, which is hilarious to me because it is the television show, not the book you said. Not the book. Is not there the a book? book? Oh, yeah. It's based on a book. Sex and the City is based on a book. Yes. That's where we should start, please. Sex and the City is based on a book, which is darker, not as good, and weirdly different in many ways from the show. I mean, it's a fine book. It's fine. You read it. Yeah, I've read, I've, I've like, I kind of skimmed it. Right. Yes. Fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Um, I should have read it. I I will read it, but (laughs) it's not an assignment. You don't have to read it. Honestly, like, how could it be? It's, it's, what do you mean it's worse? Well, it's darker. Like okay. the the Who show is Candace Bushnell. Okay, she's the creator of the show, or she's credited with creating the show because it's based on her book. But mm-hmm. Carrie mm-hmm. is not the first person character in the book. Candace is. So it's this um it's this weird difference. So Carrie is obviously Carrie Bradshaw is the main character of Sex and the City. Right. She's the narrator. She's the first person. Right. And I'm really not. I really have no authority to talk about the book because I've like picked it up and it was years ago. Right. I've skimmed it. Who are the four characters? Okay. 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 Just so Sex in the City has Carrie. Is Carrie Carrie Bradshaw? She's a writer okay. and she writes a sex column. Okay. So like the whole entire show is about like theoretically each episode she's doing voiceover because it's going into her column. Right. Okay. But it's That's all the conceit about, of the show. Yes. Yeah. But it really, it moves past that so quickly and into the elaborate lives of these people. But the whole time she's, she's writing columns and okay. like the voiceover is supposed to be taken from her column. And is the, is the first season mostly just columns? Episode? Yeah. The, yeah, the, the first season is like, like Seinfeldy, it's like the thing of like when this happens, yeah. you know, <laughs> like right. phenomena, like sex phenomena in New yeah. York. Like t- let let's taxonomize this thing. Yes, you know, and um, it also has this weird thing that they drop, which is these cutaways of like man on the street interviews, like quotes she would get from people about these things. Oh, okay, um, and Todd and Barry stopped. is oh, in yeah. it, uh-huh. and like there's a bunch of like. 
comics who do like little two second things are just like, sometimes I sleep with girls, but then I don't like them. And then they cut away. <laughs> it's not that interesting. It's, it, it was like, it was campy. Yeah. Um, and then the show just gets really just much more sophisticated as the seasons go on. Okay. So there's Carrie. There's also, I believe, Miranda. Miranda. Miranda Hobbs. She's a lawyer. She's very serious. These people all have last names. She went to Harvard Law School. <laughs> Who knew that they had last she names? She went to Harvard Law School. Yep. She's from Pennsylvania. The, the, another thing about the show is that we don't really get a whole lot of backstory. And when we do, it's almost weird because suddenly these people have like their parents, parents alluded to siblings? and siblings alluded to, but like not a lot of background. Yeah. So it's, it's, and like Samantha just comes out of space. Samantha okay. Jones. Samantha Jones. Um, she makes a couple of brief allusions to her past, but they're super like, you know, I used to have sex with a boy to use his pool. I was 13. Right. You know? right. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. they're, they're like, they're like, wow, geez. And she's also, Everyone else is about the same age and she's the oldest. She's like a good five years older than everybody else. Right. Which of course is devastating. Well, she's like in her forties the whole time. Yeah. So who's the last one? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha. And Charlotte. 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 Okay. Charlotte, the, 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 the twitchy one. Charlotte's the waspy one. She's okay. the uptight one. And, and, uh, what's her last name? Charlotte York. Thank you. But then she gets <laughs> married and then she's Charlotte, Charlotte York McDougal, but then she gets divorced and she gets remarried again. And then it's Charlotte York Goldenblatt. <laughs> was she married to Goldenblatt uh, when she had the baby in the second movie? Yes. And she was Carrie. devastated that she was wearing $1,000 shoes and the baby spit up on him? <laughs> and I wanted to kill her? I thought she broke her water on them. Uh, no, it was later when she was having a hard time spending uh, two hours a day with her baby because the other rest of it was all nanny time. And she was like, but she was being overwhelmed. By having oh a baby for two hours. Those movies. I, I like. We don't have the, the rage that I feel in my soul at the second movie. Yeah, is so I, I can't even begin to talk about it. I feel because so they're betrayed. so different. They're so different. They're so cheap. Like they're they're cheap and expensive at the same time. They're like you know when somebody is is suddenly like starts like. Like if they're like a designer and they have these cool designs and then right. their design suddenly costs $10 million and then they just start phoning it in. Right. And you're just like, this is, this is worse and more expensive. Mm-hmm. This is a disaster. Mm-hmm. It's a t- hundred times more expensive and a million times worse. It was so bad. You know how they, <laughs> I, I wrote a review for comedy film nerds of the oh, second did you? movie. Oh my and, God. You know, uh, you know, there's that thing was which one of them you would be uh-huh. of the sex in the city. And I said, uh, what character would you be in sex in the city too? And I would be the Arab guy that turned them in. <laughs> because they're horrible people. <laughs> I would be the camel. <laughs> you would want to be a camel I, and I, out of it? I would just, yeah. So, no, there was an Arab guy who turned them in yeah. for masturbating in public to pretend to masturbate in public. That would be the character I would be. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I, I blocked out most of that movie. You've chosen wisely. I feel like, I feel like also because of the way that it treats like Aiden and Big, which the men are a huge part of Sex in the City. Right. And like the, those so how, characters. So how does it start though? I mean, okay. is Big in the beginning? Big is in the first episode and he okay. has the same last line in the first episode that he does in the last episode of the entire show <laughs> in the finale. Okay. Where um, she says, do you Spoiler believe in love? Spoiler alert. Yes. She says, do you believe in love in the first episode? Or have you ever been in love? And he says, absolutely. And then drives away. <laughs> He's such a douchebag. <laughs> he really is. He is just it, like, there's a lot of things I love about this show. Um, but one of the things is that the characters don't really share my values. Right, you right. They, they're, they don't even seem to be superhuman. They, they seem to be, a, I mean, sort of like Seinfeld in the way that their life choices are terrible. And, well, the, and their reactions to things are often not realistic. 
I think that that can be true. If you've seen a smattering of episodes and the movies, you probably don't know the episodes where you really see them be people. I would love to hear about oh, those. Oh, my God. Well, that's what I love about the show. Okay. Is like the, the, okay, so I never expected to like Sex and the City because I was like, my favorite <laughs> movie when I was 14 years old was Train Spotting. Okay. Like, I don't like girly oh, stuff. Right. You were going to be, you were going to be that kid. Train spot. All right. It was, it was, I was like, you know, you're going to be, be dark, gritty. <laughs> I should get a heroin problem. I'm going to be an right. artist. You know, right. like you, you're Banksy is what you're telling me. <laughs> I thought you were going to be Banksy when you were 13. I, yeah, I did. I thought, I thought something, something was going to be, there was going to be dark. So no one was more shocked than you when you liked sex in the city. No one was more shocked than me when I liked, and I loved it. Right. And I, I remember, you know, so it, so sex in the city changed television there was nothing on television like Sex and the City. It premiered in June of 98, and The Sopranos premiered in January of 99. Okay. And so Sex and the City is really on the front leading edge of, like, the shift in cable to, right. to being quality television. Right. And what we see now, like, this sort of single camera, realistic, like, the the voices are real. Um, it's the way people talk, people swear, mm-hmm. people interrupt each other, like, all this stuff. No, yeah. No laugh track, the fast moving, the pace of the city, everything – is all in like it's that show. Right. And everybody who was doing it was like, well, this is so revolutionary. They didn't know if it was going to work and people just ate it up. Right. So, um, you know, I think a lot of it is like they came with these sort of campy, flirty, sexy stories, but they had these pretty talent, very talented actors. Right. They had good actors. Yeah. Miranda, um, she's in Amadeus. Like the movie Amadeus. Yeah. Okay. She's like, she's an amazing actor. Right. No, they're all, they're all great actors. I I don't have a problem with any of their acting. I I think that they're, yeah, it was, it was, but what, what was it about initially? Like what were the first episodes? The first episodes were, you know, I'm going to go get laid and then it's a story. What is the. It's, it opens with Carrie being like, you know, we have to, we have to stop. And this is how the book opens too. We have to stop pretending that dating is what it used to be. We have to stop pretending that, like, people want to get married and people want to build a life together. Like, so many people out here in New York are – they're guarded. They have their own agendas. They don't have the same values. They might be, like, really into kinky stuff. Like, the idea that we're all trying to pair up, get married, and have babies has to fly the coop. Like, for good. Like, it's just over. So that's that's the premise. Yeah. And and so there's a lot of, you know, we're looking for love. We're looking for relationships. But what does that mean? Right. You know, and I think that that's a valid question. And I think that they're grappling with some stuff. And Charlotte is the one who's like, no, I want to get married and I want to have kids and I want to have a, I want to date a guy with a stable job. And that's my dream. And Samantha is like, I'm never getting married ever. I just have, I like sex and I have my own career, you know, and they're all friends and they hang out and they talk as friends. And what I love about the show is that they support each other. Mm -hmm. They support each other through a lot. So Mm -hmm. can I talk about my favorite episode or should I talk about the linear no, no. Progression of the show. Uh, go favorite episode. Okay. Favorite episode, season four, my motherboard myself. Okay. Um, season four. Yes. Also known as the one where Miranda's mother dies. Okay. So we're all just sort of like in New York and they're all like Carrie has been with Big and then she cheated on, uh, Aiden with Big, but then she and Aiden got back together. And so she's with Aiden. Aiden's like a fine guy. He's nice. Right. Miranda has this on again, off again relationship with Steve, who is the best dude on the show. He is amazing. <laughs> He's just some dude from Queens. Yep. Who's like a real person in their weird New York world right. of transplants. 
Okay. Which is a va- which is tr- like that that actually rings true to me. Everybody's like, "Oh, this show's just about rich people in New York." It's like, "Well, I mean, Carrie moves to New York to be a writer. She starves for a while, but we pick up when she's already successful." Miranda's a lawyer, that's why she moved to New York. Like, they are transplants to a big city. That's a thing that we are both familiar with as a thing. Right? Right, but it's um so so the fashion, the the just the sheer amount of money and 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 party scene that they do in the beginning episodes. Like they always like they go clubbing. Yes. They go clubbing and they're wearing fans. I had never heard of Jimmy Choo until I saw the episode. But nobody had. Okay. You know, like this, there was a thing where they were introducing people to a lot of this stuff. Okay. And like the high end fashion that they were wearing was, uh, like, it was like, you know, Kanye West might have introduced a lot of people to some brands. Okay. It was similar. Yeah. Like they they were doing this. It wasn't like, oh, everybody knows all about this. It was like they were living in that world and they were yeah. giving us a glimpse. I mean, Carrie's like, she's a gossipy like sex reporter for a paper in New York. She right, has right. to do that stuff. So she's out at bars late at night seeing how people are hitting on each other. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, mm-hmm. and drinking and, and partying and, and watching the party and writing about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so there's a, there's a lot of that, but like once you get to season four, we're very much into their personal lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, Carrie's struggling with her relationship and she's struggling with quitting smoking and, <laughs> uh, Charlotte's struggling with the fact that she has left her career to just be a wife. Okay. And, um, Samantha what is What was Charlotte's just, career? She's an art gallery curator. Oh, that's right. Okay. Art gallery director, I think. Anyway, she had her own space for a while. Um, so she... Um, she... So Samantha's just being Samantha. So Miranda's <laughs> mother dies... And Steve, as I was saying, is the best character. He's sort of ancillary. Like, he's in the background. They are broken up. They're just not together. Right. Um, and, like, all of this emotional stuff comes out where, like, Samantha just starts to shut down. And everybody's like, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm fine. But she starts, like, having sex with this dude. And she, like, can't have an orgasm. And she's like, what's oh, wow. wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she gets really upset. And it turns out that, like... <laughs> A lot of it is about the emotional situation that with Miranda, where she loves Miranda and she wants to say, like, I love you. I'm so sorry this happened. But it's just not Samantha's brand to do that. Oh, okay. You know? So she has to really struggle with, like, bringing herself and her emotions out and showing them to her friend because she's created this life for herself where she's very insulated from her feelings. Oh, okay. So Samantha freaks out that Miranda's mom... Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Okay. And she's acting like she's not upset. Right. She's like, everything's fine. What? And like, they're all like, okay, well, we're taking the train to Philadelphia for the funeral on this day. And she's like, we're going to the funeral. And everybody's like, shut up. Of course we're going to the funeral. Yeah. Cause her mother dies very suddenly and it's okay. horrible. But, um, and then we see Miranda and like Cynthia Nixon, she can cry. Oh my God. <laughs> her emotions in this episode are so, cause she's so, she's always had this contentious relationship with her mother. Mm-hmm. And so her mother's suddenly gone. Yep. And she's like, I just, I feel like she's at sea emotionally and she goes bra shopping. Yeah. She needs a bra in Philadelphia because she didn't bring one. Okay. <laughs> you know, like she didn't bring a black bra for her black dress. Okay. Because she didn't know she was going to a funeral. Right. So she shows up and, and the, she gets into like a fight with the fitting room attendant <laughs> and she starts to break down crying because she realizes she'll never fight with her mother again. Oh. Oh, it's so, and then, and then like some, and then Carrie is, is struggling with Aiden wants to help her deal with stuff and her in the same episode um carrie's hard drive fails and she loses all of her work all of her columns everything she's ever written that hasn't been published is gone 
Right, because no backup. No backup. You know, we learned from that episode. <laughs> back it up. Back up your computers, people, right now. And she says over in the episode, it's like recurring. People are like, when's the last time you backed up? And she's like, what is this backing up? I, suddenly, everybody's telling me about backing up. No one told me about this last week. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. It is, but it's also you feel her. Right. You know, like, I'm like a writer. Yeah. You're an artist. You're an artistic person. You're a writer as well. You, if you, can you, like, that feeling, her, her anguish. Yeah, that everything's gone. Everything gone. And mm-hmm. then when they recover it, it's like the saddest thing. It's like three sentences and a oh, bunch shit. of broken characters. Like, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. And like, all of the feelings in this episode are so raw mm-hmm. and relatable. Okay. And these crises, like the B plot and the A plot relate so well. And then, like, at the funeral, Steve and Aiden show up, too. Like, they don't know that they're coming, but they okay. come from New York to the funeral. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's walking down, and Miranda's sisters are all married, and her brother's married, and everybody's, like, kind of clutching each other as they follow the casket out of the church. Yeah. And Miranda just starts to cry. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, like, rushes up and stands by her side and walks out of the church with her. And that's, oh, nice. like, the power of friendship. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're that close. Yeah. You know, and that's what that's what you come to love about the show is how close these women are and how much they rely on each other. Right, right. Okay. So that's I gotta say that episode I have I have two favorite episodes in season they're both in season four. They're both in season yeah. four. Okay. So you know how they say like with, with, with TV shows that the stride is hit at, at three. Yeah. So it sounds like f- like four and five can often be like the, five is sometimes the worst, but um, and then after five, five is not good. It I, is, I, five is not outstanding in Sex and the City. How it's many seasons are there? Six. Okay, and five is very short. How many episodes? I can tell you because I brought a reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looks like eight. They only did eight episodes. They only did eight. Yeah, I think. Okay, I what, think what were they usually doing? Like thirteen or? Yeah. Uh, no, like sixteen, twenty. They, I, uh, she was, yeah, 18, it looks like. She was pregnant, I think. Carrie or Sarah Jessica Sarah Parker? Sarah Jessica Parker. There we go. The yeah. actual person. <laughs> I don't care about her. I care about Carrie. <laughs> I am also like, I'm also, I'm always kind of reluctant to do pop culture-y type things because I'm so, I don't know actors' names. Right. I don't know years of things. I right. just know, like, I can talk forever about, like, Charlotte, but I always forget her name. Right. Like, oh, the actress? Yeah. yeah you're in, you're in good company. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. Is it Kristen Wiig? No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. And uh, so in 1998. But the so what is um what's your other favorite? Let's go into that briefly. So the other favorite is like a very different type of episode. It's like one of these high fashion, bright, high like energy, glossy, shiny New York City episodes. Sure. And it's called The Real Me. Okay. And it guest stars Margaret Cho, who I love. Excellent. Alan Cumming, who ev- like literally everybody loves. Yeah. And then there's just a bunch of other stars in it. Heidi Klum is in it. <laughs> um, Kevin Alcoin is in it. He was famous for doing this book of makeup. Like he did, he, he made a coffee table book that was just people's, people being made up as other people because he was a genius. Okay. And he died of a brain aneurysm. Oh, like wow. not long after this episode was filmed. He was a very young man. Okay. Um, so that was very tragic. And, um, but he was like a makeup celebrity, which I didn't know that could be a thing, but I had heard of him before the episode. Oh, there you go. So it was just, it was, it's this episode where she's recruited to be in a fashion show. A carry. Uh huh. Okay. She's recruited to be a model. And she's like, I'm not a model. I can't model. Yep. And they're like, it's a mixture of regular people and models. So it's going to be like, you know, Ed Koch, 
and Heidi Klum and right. you. And she's like, I'm neither Ed Koch nor <laughs> Heidi Klum. Like she's like, I don't belong in either camp here. Right. Um, and it's so great because she, she pushes herself to do it. And every other, all of the other three women in the episode are pushing themselves to do something. Ah. And it's in very different directions. Okay. They all want to sort of like work towards something new in their lives. They're stepping out of their comfort zones. Got it. Or, or they're doing something like it's, um, it's, it's really different for all of them, but they do a really nice job with it, but it's just a really exciting episode. And it was really influential to my book because like my book has a lot of stuff about like, you know, being like when you, when some, suddenly you have to go out in front of people and you're mm-hmm. not ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the hell? Like, and that feeling of just like, when you step out there, how liberating it is and how you, you feel yourself cross over into a new phase of life. <laughs> really? Okay. When that happens, when you're like, okay, I've, I've, I've built up this thing and then I did it. And then once I did it, it wasn't like, oh, that wasn't so bad. It was like, oh, now I'm, I'm like liberated. I'm like in a new era of my own existence. And you, you think that in some way public speaking is like that? Or? I think, I think it can be for some people. I, can, I think it can be for some people, but I'm, I was just trying to relate to like something else, you know, like when you sort of give up, like there's, there's, there's a certain amount of surrender that happens where you, where like if people live with secrets, right? Yes. And if you have a secret and you're like, I like, I'm, I have a bit I'm working on about shoplifting. I, when I was 13, I used to shoplift books because I had a $10 fine at the library and I wasn't allowed to take any books out. So instead I would go to Kmart and shoplift books for many years. I was ashamed of that. Well, I've done that bit now three times and I could tell my mother, it doesn't matter anymore. Like it's, it's a, it's a weight off of me that you're like, well, I wasn't carrying that anymore. Yeah. So sometimes stand up can be like that for me. It's just, it's uh but I, I see that you're like, I'm scared to talk. I'm scared to be out there. I'm scared to be a model, which yeah. is what Carrie is. Right. Well, she's, she's, she, yeah. She doesn't she's feel scared. like Heidi Klum. She so she's like, why would you want me? Exactly. Right? Kind of thing. Exactly. And she also doesn't feel like she's as high caliber as the other regular people that they're picking. Oh, right. Famousy. Right. right. Yeah. She's, she's not like, famous I'm, enough. I'm neither a luminary. It's like Frank Rich is another one of the people who's like a New York Times writer. Okay. Like, you know, yeah. genius. And like, she's like, I'm not a writer like these people. There's, and she's always dealing with like her feeling of herself as being low culture. Okay. That's a theme throughout the show. Oh, really? Yes. Big, the, the main love interest of the whole show. Right. Big, Mr. Big. He marries like a 27 year old J crew model looking girl. Okay. And she, <laughs> Carrie is like crying over the wedding announcement with Charlotte because she sees okay. the wedding announcement for Big and right. she's like, I just, she is, you know, she's Vera Wang style section. Right. And I'm the sex column they put next to the ads for penile implants, <laughs> you know, and she's not, right. she's not like laughing about it. She's crying. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. She's devastated. Yeah. She's but, crying. Uh, and then later she dates an artist, a visual artist who he's hanging out with. She's hanging out with his friends and he's like, Carrie writes a column. And she's like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to talk yeah. about that. And he's like, no, it's great. And she reads a quote from it and everybody, and, and she's like, it's, it's meant, it's meant to be funny. Yeah. And they're all like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, she's in some sort of weird, you know, the first time I ever went to New York City, I was 19 and a friend of mine, we went and I was able to buy booze. That's how old I am. Uh, the drinking age was 18. So, but my friend was 18. Wait, it was 19 because she was 18. It's a great story. I'll stop telling it. <laughs> anyway, so 
We go and she's like, this is my, and she, she does not remember saying this. My friend Jenny Bergman does not remember saying this to me, but she was 18. So I don't, I, it's just a great, cause it really made me self-conscious. She said, these are my friends. They listen to jazz, Jackie. One of them plays jazz. So keep it together. This isn't a kegger in Wisconsin. And wow. so when I walked in and everybody was black turtle, I mean, whether they were wearing black turtlenecks and berets, <laughs> in my head they were wearing black turtlenecks and berets. <laughs> and so I proceeded to smoke hash, drink all of the vodka, and then the wine, and then smoke some more hash, and then throw up, and then at the party. Uh, which, by the way, someone else was throwing up next to me, so it wasn't that classy a party, nope. by the way. No, I, oh. was, I was throwing up in the sink because someone was throwing up in the toilet, and someone else was throwing up in the tub. <laughs> How gross is that? Anyway, but we were all had a receptacle, and then I got super embarrassed, and I walked out into the night on New Year's Eve at 3 o'clock in the morning. Just in New York. In New York, and I was 19, and I this was the first time I had flown, the first time I was in wow. New York. It was... and. And I, um, just wandering, asking people where Columbia University was, cause I was house sitting for a sister, friend of mine's sister's, uh, apartment. And, um, so I get to the, I'm like, I need to get to Penn Station so I can take the thing to Columbia. And I finally, um, I asked these two guys who are like, where's Penn Station? And they, they look at each other like, we're in front of Penn Station. <laughs> and it's this giant thing here. And I was like, oh, okay, I just need to train to Columbia. And one of them, he goes, okay, well, you go down. Then he looked back at me and that guy, Put me on the train. He spent his own token to go with me to put me on the train in New York City on New Year's Eve in 1985 or whatever. And he goes, as the doors are closing, something out of a movie, because he goes, where are you from? <laughs> and I said, Wisconsin. And he goes, go home. <laughs> but it was like, it's, it's that sort of thing where you're intimidated by yes. what you think is super cool kids. You know, they're like, oh, these are the coolest people in the world, but they're throwing up next to you. There's, and there should be yeah. no attitude. There should be no attitude. No, I feel, I feel zero. And like now that we're like big, you know, Hollywood mucky mucks, as sure. you are, seriously, are, completely we know a are. lot of very uh, famous. I don't think people. you know this about Erin Judge, but uh, she's uh, a published author. <laughs> And she has a show at a, at a, at a romance novel store in Culver City. Erinjudge.com. <laughs> uh, mucky muck. Um, they don't let you have your own URL unless you're very fancy. <laughs> right. You need that or a hundred dollars a year. <laughs> so, um, if that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I remember I'm from New York City originally. I'm from oh. Brooklyn, but there Are was you? a big divide. Yeah, like we knew that there was like fancy people in Manhattan. And oh, yeah. They were not us. When I met Jenny Bergman, she also does not remember this. We, I asked her, she went to the University of Wisconsin Madison and I asked her where she was from and she said, the city. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, Milwaukee? I remember when I went to, went to college in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Where'd um, you go to college? Wellesley College. There you go. So I, like, there was a lot of, uh, people that I met immediately who were like of social classes and social milieus that I had no experience with. Right. And, um, one of them, I met a lot of people from New York and I had, I had moved to Texas. I had moved to Texas when I was nine. So I hadn't lived in New York, um, after that, except for visiting family, grandparents and stuff. So, okay. so you were in Brooklyn until you were nine. And, and then, then I was you in Plano, Texas until I was Yikes. 17. Yes. With two moms. All right. Do you had two mommies? Uh, yeah. My mom, my mom and my stepmom. Oh yeah, that's um, my Amy's got two mommies. Oh really? Yeah, they've been together almost forty years. That's so nice. Yeah. I, they met in New York, and yeah. they were like, um, "We can't have our clandestine le lesbian love 
here in our very nosy Catholic neighborhood. <laughs> so let's move to Plano, Texas in wow. 1990. Let's go to rural Texas in yeah. the middle of... Uh, yeah, Andy's moms live in rural California. They voted for George W. Bush twice. My my stepmother, before she, she passed away, actually, but she voted mm-hmm. for George H.W. Bush, and I'm pretty sure she voted for George W. Bush. Yeah, they want to put you in... in, in uh in kennels. Please don't vote for those people. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know what anyway. the Anyway, so so I um I got to Wellesley and I met these people from New York City and I was like, "Oh, I'm from New York. Where'd you go to high school?" blah blah blah. And um I would say to them and I I remember being so embarrassed the first time I said it. I was like, "Oh, you don't have an accent." And oh, this right. girl was like, "Oh yeah, um I associate that accent with like more working class." <laughs> oh my god. And I was like, oh. "My whole family on both sides thick accents." You're right. Well, I think Wellesley's kind of fancy, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and then I mean, this is also a place where like within the first week I went to a party in a dorm that was like the fancy like the freaking gossip girl dorm. <laughs> we had one for, for real. And I walked in and, and there's a mirror and there's all this powder all over it and it's, people are doing lines. And I was like, oh, I guess this is a cocaine school. But it was Ritalin. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was like, okay, we're, we're academic doping off mirrors now. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I miss the Ritalin Adderolf um, joys of, uh, I yeah, I'm aged out of that. Yeah, I never, I never, never took any of that. It. So. It's all good. It turns out I still graduated. So it certainly doesn't matter. So let's go linear. So what are your favorite things about the first season? Okay. So the first season, there's an episode called Secret Sex, which was also very influential to my book about like when people decide not to keep their, like not let their friends know that they're dating someone. Okay. And like keep them like on the side, basically like your side piece, but not even because you're married. Or because you have another relationship. Just like you're like, I don't want to bring you around for some reason. Right. And so Carrie finds out that her friend is do her male friend is doing this to another woman. And she wants to know if Big is doing it to her. Okay. Because they're going to the same restaurants. So they, she meets up with this guy who he knows has like a secret girlfriend mm-hmm. at the same restaurant Big is bringing her to. Mm-hmm. And she's like, is this the, is this the side piece restaurant? Am I, am I at the side piece <laughs> restaurant? And she like demands to like, you know, be more a part of his life. And he's like, it's not, you're not a secret. Like, but it's, a, it's, it brings up this interesting topic. And right. like, Charlotte comes out as having had a secret affair with a Hasidic Jewish artist in Brooklyn. <laughs> So she like, cause she's an art curator and right. she like would go and like make love to him in his studio. And it was like the ultimate forbidden thing for him. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine why it would not be. So it's a, it's a, it was a good episode. Right. And then in season two, that, that's when we see Steve. So Steve, oh my God, Steve. <laughs> Steve is Miranda's boyfriend. Yes. And ultimately husband. And ultimately husband. Okay. So Steve is, um, introduced. He's a bartender. And Season two. Yes. Okay. And Carrie is so in love with Big, she blows off Miranda one day. They're supposed to meet up. And Miranda's so mad. And she's sitting at the bar where she's supposed to meet Carrie, mm-hmm. just drinking beer and like just drinking wine and being angry. Right. And Steve's the bartender. Okay. And he's like, talk to me. Yeah. And she's, and he's from Queens. He's got an accent. He's mm-hmm. from New York. He's right. a real deal. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he pushes. And then she, like, they end up chatting and she goes home with him. Or he goes back to her place. And then he's like, so I'll call you. And she's like, <laughs> no, you won't. She's like, you're not going to call me. You're a bartender. Yeah. We sex. Goodbye. Yeah. Yes. And she's and he's like, I want to call you. I want to take you out again. And right. she's like, no, you don't. Men are awful. 
Yeah. Men are bad people. <laughs> You're one of them. She like wow. all the things she's wanted to say to all these dudes who've like broken her heart or like treated her like she garbage. says it to she Steve. She just says it to Steve. Right. She, Which she, is why she feels very safe. Seven thousand male comics do jokes about how women don't like nice guys. And you're like, <laughs> no, they don't like you because you're weird. Anyway. Have you seen the it's, there's something like the nice guys of OK Cupid that was a thing a few years ago? No? It was awesome. It was like all they would find people who were like, I'm a nice guy, that's why nobody likes me. And then they'd find something else in their profile, like <laughs> You know, I only kick kittens sometimes. Like, right, right. Something <laughs> horrible is Something just like horribly. Sexist, you could never. Usually. I would never have supported the ERA. I have other references from the late seventies, <laughs> uh, but it's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> anyway, oh my but uh, yeah, the yeah, it's so he was a good guy, and so they the act out of that horrible. So she just said everything she'd ever wanted to say. Yeah, and she was just like, you don't stop this charade. You're mm-hmm. not going to call me. And he's like, I actually do like you. And or so, I did until about three or 30 seconds ago. So she, he's like trying to noodle in. Like he's like, all right, well, where are you meeting your friends later? And mm-hmm. so she like tells him and like he shows up and she's being awful to him. And Charlotte and uh, Carrie and Samantha are there and they're like embarrassed. They're like, why are you treating this guy like this? And right. she's like, she's like... He's just a bartender that I accidentally had sex with. And now I'm, the Lord is punishing me for like, you know, the universe is punishing me for that. Yeah. And um, in the same episode, Big is supposed to come out and meet everyone. And he's being a really like wishy-washy. He's like, it's and- raining. I don't want to go see your friends. God, that guy is such a douche. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, in the end, Big shows up. Big okay. comes and he's like, he enters and he hangs out and he's like, hey, Samantha, I hear you're sleeping with an old man. And everybody's like, oh, my goodness, you know about us. And like, yeah. you know, and then um, in that moment, Miranda like chases Steve down the street and she's like, OK, fine. Maybe men aren't garbage. Let's right. have a relationship. Oh, because Big showed up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So then um, so then she and Steve have this like cool thing. But then she's getting made partner at her law firm. Okay. And she wants him to come to the dinner. Right. This is a few episodes later. I don't even know which one. Right. But she um, she says, you know, I want you to come. And he's like, I, I'll i wear my suit. And she sees his suit and it's like a corduroy suit hanging in his closet <laughs> from like 1952. Right. And so she's like, why don't I buy you a suit? Right. And he's like, that is crazy. I can't let that happen. So they go to the store. And he's like, I'll get a suit. And she takes him to the store. I feel like all of this could have been solved with like Burlington Coat Factory. Right. Or perhaps right. a suit rental store. Right. Or a suit <laughs> rental store. Or the, it's a sitcom. So, yeah. yeah. So they're at this place and he like, he like pulls out all his money and all his credit cards and starts writing checks to try to cover the cost of this suit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, please just let me buy it for you. I'm being made partner at a law firm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll do it. And then so she goes, it's the night of her big dinner where she's being made partner. And he shows up at her door in a t-shirt and jeans and he's mm-hmm. like, I returned the suit. I can't do it. You need to be with someone else, someone who's more on your level. Right. And she's like, she cries because she's a great crier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just so good. And then she ends up at the party all alone. Yep. And they show that. And then, and then they have this contentious thing where like the next season they meet up again, they sleep together, they're back together. So they kind of go on again, off again, they break up again. Oh God, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so All right. Good. Well, what about season three? Um, in season three, oh, there's the bisexual episode. Okay. Which is close to my heart. Okay. Um, because she she starts dating this guy and mm-hmm. she's like, mm-hmm. he's like, how many relationships? Carrie does. 
Okay. How many relationships have you had? And he's like, well, first I was with, you know, most recently I was with so-and-so girl's name. And then right. he says, and then before that a girl's name. And then he says, and before that it was Mike. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and he's like, and then she's like breaking it down with the, her girls. And she's right. like, he's a bisexual. And, you know, they're like, you know, one of them's like, oh, deal breaker. And the other one's like, <laughs> is bisexual even real? <laughs> like, they have, okay. like, a very mid or late 90s discussion about the existence of bisexuality. About the existence of it at all. Yeah. It's a- like, isn't he just gay and waiting to be gay? And she's like, well, he seems into me. Right. So. <laughs> so it all seems to be working yeah. out now. And so, but then what I love about the episode and what does ring true, two things I love. One is that she ends up in the end playing spin the bottle and kissing Alanis Morissette. Oh, there you go. Which was like a brown I mean, brown. like that, that show is full of beautiful people. Yeah. And I never really appreciated, I think, how stunning Alanis Morissette is until she appears on that show and she just looks like a <laughs> goddess <laughs> amongst all these model gorgeous people. Um, but then, uh, the thing that really rang true is like, she gets weirded out by the fact that his friend group is so incestuous. Oh, okay. Which totally like, that's totally a thing I've experienced straight people being very weirded out by. Where, where people, some, some, some groups that hang out together, everybody fucks each other. Is that what you're talking about? Everybody has been in a relationship. So there's like, oh yeah, no, like that's Steve. He's my ex and he's with Veronica, who's my current girlfriend's ex. And like, you know, like this whole, yeah, yeah, that whole thing. And she's trying to keep it all straight. And then eventually she's just like, these people are one weird, like, they're just one big blob. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're like, we we call it the L word web. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no. On the show, the L word. There was a big thing in, I think, the first season and throughout where one person had a web of all the lesbians in Los Angeles <laughs> and just would draw lines okay. on, on her wall. Oh, that's hilarious. So it's like her friend group and a few other ancillary people. And basically all the characters in the show were like on the board somewhere. Right, right, somewhere. And Everyone had met someone at some point. Yeah. And they, but no, this is for sex. This is okay. people who've had sex together. Okay. So she'd just th- draw lines whenever anybody hooked up or got together, like, to keep the web going. Yeah. So it was like when <laughs> some people encounter a group of people like that, they're just like, whoa, like you guys all have a past. Right. Right. That's crazy. Right. And you still keep hanging out together. Yes, it's, exactly. I think, I think the step that everyone else makes, it goes, no, I wouldn't hang out with them. After I'd slept with like three of those people, I think I would move on. But yeah, uh, exactly. I'm going to need a new group, new pool, <laughs> new pool of people to choose from. I need a new hobby. That's hilarious. So, um, that's, you know, there's a great science fiction book that I've recommended a thousand times on the Dork Forest. Hello, Rangers. Lois McMaster Bujold is a lovely woman and she is, um, she has written uh, the Vorkosigan series. And in the Vorkosigan series, one of the first two books, there's Cordelia's Honor and, uh, Cordelia's Honor, Cordelia's Honor and Shards of Honor and Barriar or something. Anyway, so, but the thing is, is in, in, there's this huge reveal, spoiler alert, you guys, except for who cares. And, uh, that, uh, that, uh, Errol Vorkos again, who's, who ends up being the patriarch of this sort of art, this thing, he had a relationship with a man, uh, when he was, uh, a cadet or when he got up right, right when he got out of, uh, military school. And so Cordelia's from Beta Colony, which is this very liberal, and hermaphrodites are genetically modified, and now they breed amongst themselves, and you can pick. There's like a third gender? Yeah, there's a third gender. Okay. And, um, and then there's, um, 
yes, Verkos, the Lois McMaster Bujol does amazing stuff with, with, uh, with gender politics, actually. You might really like it. But the, um, the, the, there's, there, it's a political scene where they're at this party and someone comes up to Cordelia to essentially try to destroy her marriage by saying, well, you know, he's bisexual. And she doesn't even miss a beat. And she goes, well, yeah, but he's monogamous. And right. it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's, exactly. I mean, it was the, gr- I mean, it was a revelation to me. And the thing is, is I've been hanging out with hippies forever and having oh, sex yeah. with whoever was around back in the eighties and nineties. But I mean, the thing is, is it's, it's so interesting that someone can say something in like sex in the city in, in like something that's pop culture yeah. that can resonate so hard to you that you're like, Oh my God, you just changed my opinion about an entire race. Or, you just, yes. or gender or country or yeah. whatever. And it's, I, that's, I mean, that's why this kind of stuff is kind of important. I think, yeah. I mean, entertainment, it, the purpose of it, I think is, is to create empathy and, and to create, to give us a, a glimpse into someone else's fishbowl kind of thing. Yeah. And I think there's also like, there's, there's some stuff that I don't necessarily politically agree with. But when they deal with queer themes, like Samantha dates a woman at one point, just because she's Samantha. Right. And my favorite part <laughs> of that Samantha's episode. available. Right. <laughs> my favorite part of that episode is like, Carrie's got like big sex news. Like she's been having great sex with someone she doesn't like, which is not common. <laughs> and so she's like so excited to tell her friends. And then Samantha's like, I'm dating a woman. And she's like, I was supposed to be the one with the news. <laughs> right. This is a giant. You're just a, you're one upping me. Yeah. One upping my, my dead. But you know, you take, she takes this, um, you know, relationship with this woman and, and they do, they break up for reasons of incompatibility, mm-hmm. but it's just unclear that it's about, being a, like, it's not about the fact that they're both lesbian or that right. they're both women. Right. Um, it's Samantha's pretty, like pretty hetero in her cultural, cultural orientation. Right. She like, she wants to go out. She doesn't want to stay in. She wants to like have sex. She doesn't want to talk. Right. Like she, she's got all this sort of like almost broy stuff about her. Like, right. This lesbian is just like, what about talking? Right. I thought I we're talk. Let's connect. <laughs> and Samantha's like, gross. Right. Let's That's move gross. in together. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she's no. like, let's, let's have sex and yeah. like not and go and, out and go out and go to dinner and go to a club and go dancing or yeah. do something. Yeah. And talk to people and be in the world. Yeah. And, and this woman's like, no, we want to stay home. We're, we're going to create our own world right here. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, that rings true as well. And, you know, like so many things, one of my other favorite shows is um, Orange is the New Black. And the thing that I love that Orange is the New Black does is that it takes stereotypes mm-hmm. and unexpected things. Like there's about 50% of every character is like what you might expect. And the other 50% is completely from like Mars. Yeah. And that's the way people are. Yeah, we that's are so all realistic. partly a stereotype. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like I am, you know, my parents split up. My dad's an alcoholic, and like, there's a lot of things right. about me that are that are right. very stereotypical because of that. And right, and, and I'm play a by the rules. <laughs> right, they, they they play by the yeah. There's the reason for stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's like all these things that are unexpected about me. Right, right. Um, and and that's true of everyone I've ever met. Right, and that's I think true on that show. And I think Sex in the City honors characters' humanity. In a deep way. Like, I really think that it gets people. And uh, all the people are, like... And even- it's super shiny. I mean, I think that's what can put you off, because it looks so shiny from afar. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's well, it's well produced. It's beautifully set. You want to fall in love with New York City? 
I mean, Woody Allen has nothing on that show. Like his movies, like all other, like other shows and movies that like are, oh, New York. The, the, the pictures, the, the, the scenes, like sometimes it's fall, sometimes it's spring. Mm-hmm. Oh my, like it's so evocative. Right. It's just so, it, it makes you feel so in love with the city. Yeah. It's um, really, that's what people say. It's a fifth character. The city is the fifth character. <laughs> Although I don't know if that, like, I, I would say it's more of a setting as a writer. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not imaginative. Right. Just personifying the city. Right. Did it make you want to get those clothes or do those, or find those bars or I, drink those drinks. I definitely started drinking Cosmopolitans. Okay. I definitely did. I was, I mean, I was, I think everybody did. I was 25 you, you when I was really into the show. Okay. And that's perfect. Yeah. And I was, I was also, I went to a women's college and then I started doing stand up when I was 21, the minute I graduated. And mm-hmm. I was suddenly plunged into this world of boys, mm-hmm. boys everywhere. And I hadn't realized how much like talking to women and being around women had become such an important part of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, in high school, my favorite movie was Train Spotting. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So there were boys there. Boy, I was boy cultured, you yes. know, up until that point. And then I think because I was so immersed in stand up and I was, every time I was out at clubs, I was just hanging out with dudes mm-hmm. that it was very comforting to me to watch a show about women talking. Yeah. Really? I yeah. really think that that's why it, that was the time when I was hitting open mics and I was like doing all this crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, I was on stage every night for a month and, you know, yeah. like I, and I needed, I needed women's needed, voices. Right. Because open mics are, are predominantly dudes and it's, there's there's more women now than there were, but it it's almost all guys. So yeah, and I, I was in and Boston. you want to fit in, and you want to just hang out, and you want to make sure that you get sets. Yeah. So to get up on stage, you have to hang out, and to, to hang out, you got to meet the because that guy's going to show up late. The guy that books the weird one nighter out of town. Yeah. Or the conversation that leads to the weird one nighter out of town, and you're like. Shit, I left early because I couldn't stand listening to one more fucking fisting joke. Yeah. And you're like, ah, fine. Uh, tell another fisting joke. And- yeah, no, I'll sit here and drink, you know, Amstel Light while you tell fisting jokes until right. 2 a.m. By God, let it not be said that there aren't funny ones. But, uh, <laughs> but, but it's not easy. It isn't easy. And you have to go through a lot of lemons <laughs> to get to lemonade. And it was just, you know, even the people that I loved were boys. You know, yeah. there were a couple of women around, but like, I mean, it was mostly boys. And I, I just, I just craved yeah. women's voices. And I, I listened to male voices every night. Do all you read, the time. do you read, um, any comic books? No, I mean, I'm, I've read some graphic novels. Well, there's a, uh, it's a comic that I collect, but is, uh, it's, it's like Orange is the Black, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's like the TV with the moving pictures, but it's in a book. Uh, it's called Bitch Planet. And it's essentially uh, about a dystopian future where you mouth off, you get sent to a planet, which is all women, which is a prison. And, uh, and then there's a Hunger Games kind of thing. And so it's pretty awesome. It is enormously dark. Uh, but Bitch Planet, I believe that at least the first one is collected, maybe the second. So, and it's Kelly DeConnick. Who is uh, a great author, and uh, I've never wanted a tattoo, but I've kind of they they tattoo all the women who go to Bitch Planet with an NC for non-compliant, <gasps> and now people are fucking getting non-compliant tattoos. Oh my like, god! They, she shows them in the in the back pages, like the letters column, but like women are getting them on the back of their neck, and uh, you know seems pretty gutsy, uh, but or like yeah. on their on their ankle, um, but they're doing it because it's just usually like typewriter letters NC, whatever that font is. Yeah, and um. 
Courier I, new. Courier new. Probably. And, uh, so what, what, uh, what they've done is that they're, they've made them black and chunky and then they've worked in other, um, designs into the NC, like Wonder Woman colors. Oh, wow. Or Black Widow, the Black Widow. Yeah. And, I've never wanted a tattoo more in my life. <laughs> That's amazing. Like That'd to be, be, a hell of a to be branded with like bad woman. Like yeah. who doesn't want to line up for that? Exactly. One? Let's all, you know, a- Andy wants one. My husband, <laughs> he's like, I- um, that's cultural appropriation. <laughs> he's okay with that. <laughs> he's like, you can take him to town and put his white dreads on and head the fuck out. <laughs> oh my God. So where, let's remind people. I am talking to Aaron judge. That's me. Uh, you have a book coming out in, uh, August called Vow of Celibacy will be available on Amazon. It'll also be uh, a book signing and event on August 19th. Yeah. At the, at the ripped bodice, ripped bodice romantic. Um, and then that the name of that show is romantic comedy. Yes. And it's romcomshow.tumblr.com. So okay. every, every month's lineup and date is posted there. And the delightful Baron Vaughn's going to be on the next episode. Uh, the the next, next show. Yeah. Show, June 16th. 16th. Okay. Yep. So, um, yeah, other than that, what would you, what would you leave? I think we've really, I think we've told people that the, what, what made the last seasons bad? No, the season six is good. Season six isn't perfect. And like, like she ends up with, um, she ends up with big, which is like, you know, whatever. Everybody's like, oh, she should have ended up with Aiden. I didn't like Aiden either. I just don't think that Carrie had the perfect chemistry with anybody. Right. But, um, you know. She, there's, there's great episodes in season six. Um, she has this relationship with this guy, Berger, who's also a writer, but he's not as successful as her. And he's very cowardly. And it's, and like, they have like the banter and they have like the whole like intellectual connection. And she's like, this is perfect. And he's right. like very intimidated by her. Right. And he keeps that a secret until he dumps her on a post-it note. Oh. And it is such a great episode because she's just wielding this post-it note around New York. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And she's this angry. Isn't even a and Michael Show Michael Showalter's in that episode. Okay. And he plays a friend of um the dude Burger who um breaks up with Carrie on the post-it note. She's out with her friends that night, like being like, I need to have a fuck you to this guy night with my girls. And she sees him. And he doesn't know that they've broken up. And she's like, hey, Carrie, how's Burger? And she lays into him about everything that is wrong with men. Wow. And like with this situation, with like yeah. not having the courage to dump somebody to their face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, then she like gets high on the street and they arrest her. But then Miranda talks them out of it. And Charlotte ultimately is the one who's like, she got dumped on a post-it. Right. And the cop is like, that didn't happen. And she's like, and she has the post-it. And and the cop is like, fine, I'll write you up a ticket and you can go back to your life because that's ridiculous. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a great episode. Um, but then she starts dating the guy, the, the, the artist guy who's played by Barishnikov. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's right. And, um, they have, they have, I mean, he's a sexy dude. He's very small. Very yeah. petite man. But she's small man? too. But she's tiny as well. So they have, they have great chemistry, but there's a lot of weirdness and she just gets away from herself. And then there's a really weird, the third to last episode, she, it's the one where Kristen Johnston is the guest star and she falls out a window and dies. No. Yeah. What? It's called Splat. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's Splat exclamation point. Yeah. And, um, she p- carries at a party with, um, Barishnikov and like, you know, she, um, she sees Kristen Johnson there who's like an old friend, but from the party scene. Yeah. And Carrie's now more sophisticated and calmed down. And Kristen Johnson just wants to like do coke and smoke cigarettes and be drunk. Sure. 
And um, she goes on this tirade at this party about how boring and staid and, and you know, just completely sterile New York has become <laughs> and how she grosses her out that everybody's so lame now. <laughs> and she goes, I'm so bored I could die. And she trips and falls out a window. <laughs> And what dies. The fuck? It Why? is so it is so shocking. And you're just like, oh my god. And that's when Carrie decides to go to Paris with this weird artist guy. And Miranda's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You have a life here. You're a writer. And she quits her column to go to Paris with this guy, which is just insane. Right. And so um that sets up the last two episodes where you know you see kind of how she Ends up with Big. <laughs> does she end up with Big? She does. At the end of it, Big comes back somehow. Or Big she comes goes back. to Paris to get her. Uh, does he? Yeah. Big goes to Paris to get her. I, you know, in, in the second movie, which was the last one I saw, he was the most likable character in the movie where he was like, why don't we stay home? Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a real person who wants to be in a relationship. Right. But he's also yeah. like 60 at that point. Right. Like he gets with her finally. <laughs> he finally, like he's like in his early forties when the series begins, when he finally relents and like gets with her, he's mm-hmm. almost 50 or if he's not 50. Right. And then the movies are like years later. Right. So he's like, sure. Getting on. You know, right. like he doesn't need to go out all the time. Right. And like, not that like it's that. It's just, it's just that they're, she has all this energy yeah. still and she's, you know, married without children mm-hmm. and she's hungry for something else. And right. I she, think she I think, would like to go out. And I think that those movies are bad. Yeah. I, I really like, I was very disappointed in both of them. I think that they're much more materialistic, shallow, um, simple, like they oversimplify things for the sake of they're, wrapping up a movie. Well, they're exactly what everyone Claimed the TV show was. Exactly. They, right. they, they cheapen it to the level of everybody's worst expectation. Right. And, and like, oh. yeah, where they're like, oh, these women are conspicuously consuming and criticizing the Arab culture. Like what? This is so stupid. Right. That isn't real. That isn't actually that n- none of that. And it sounds like the best episodes of the Sex and the City TV show were, were just real humans of people who were clearly in the top 5%, but not, but not automatons and not horrible people just out there living their lives yeah. to whatever degree that you would do comparably, <laughs> but well, then yeah. talking about it. Yeah. And they were, they were talking about their problems and they and were the talking real about conversation love. was what you loved about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about love and they were supporting each other with love and they were supporting each other in the way that you support your family. And I think that that was important to me too, because my friends are my family mm-hmm. and that show really felt that way. Fair enough. You know, Rangers, we have talked about Sex in the City for a long time <laughs> <laughs> on the Dork Forest. So uh, you can find Aaron Judge uh, uh, at com, and you can follow her on Twitter at Aaron Judge, and you can probably Instagram and Snapchat and do all the things that ever existed yeah, with ever. the name Aaron Judge. Yeah. And then you can buy her book in August. Uh, called, you can buy my uh, book now if you want. Oh, pre-order you can pre-order it. it. Pre-order it That's on That's good Amazon. for this gal. So Yeah, yeah. They're, they're always impressed. If you're willing to buy it, uh, please get on it. Other than that, you know the rules. Take care of each other out there. Okay, bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?